the story begins with silence. A long silence that lasted 400 years, four centuries of waiting to hear from the God we worshipped. God had not spoken. No prophet had given us a flesh word from him. No king had shown us the way to him. We prayed, offered our sacrifices, and kept festivals and the holy days. But there had been only silence and waiting. As we waited, our people looked to the ancient text that told of, our, of another time of silence and waiting, when there was a vast nothingness until a great word was spoken and his spirit moved. God creating and breathing life into the world. We looked to our ancient heroes of faith and the centuries of slavery in Egypt. We remembered the night of our liberation when the death angel passed over. We relived the Red Sea crossing and our wandering in the wilderness when Jehovah was life. A succession of kings ruled over us, and the more we turned away from putting God on the throne and the more desperately we needed him. Finally, the nation was destroyed, not by enemies who conquered us, but by our own unfaithfulness to the one who had given us everything. Yet in our destruction, God had promised we would not be forgotten. A son would be given, a savior would come. The silence would be broken, and God would speak. Every longing and need we had would be met as his spirit breathed into new life. At last the wait would be over, every prophecy would be fulfilled, and the most amazing part of it was that the two of us would be chosen to help bring it to pass.
Who would have imagined that God would break his silence in the way he did, or that she would hear his message from an angel's lips? He said, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will give birth to a son and call him Jesus. The Spirit gave me the words to answer. situation he will be told in a dream don't be afraid mary will have a son call him jesus he will will save save his his people people from from their their sins. sins
Caesar's decree came at the worst possible time. Mary was nearing the time to deliver her child. Our journey to Bethlehem to register was difficult for her. Everything she had been called to do was difficult. Already she had endured scorn, mistrust, and danger. But when God called, she simply answered yes.
faith in God had carried me through nine months of being an outcast and the target of endless gossip. Faith had given me peace when Joseph doubted me. Faith had provided strength and courage as we traveled to Bethlehem. I had faith. I trusted God. Still, I will confess that there were moments I wondered about a God who would give such a task to someone like me. I have traveled many moonless nights, cold and weary, with a baby inside, and I wonder what I've Breath of heaven Breath 
God had planned it all along. In spite of the difficult circumstances, everything about him was perfect. Suddenly there were shepherds appearing through, through the doorway of the stable. When they saw Mary and me and then the baby lying in the manger, they came and filled, fell to their knees before him and they worshipped him.
John would write, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Mary and I were the first to see it, then the shepherds who came in from the hills. That night caught a glimpse. And ever since then, people have found their way to him one way or another. When they see him for who and what he really is, they love him. For what would we have done if he hadn't come to us the way he did? Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome holy child. We didn't know it yet, but wealthy men were already on their way to honor him. They brought precious gifts to lay at his feet. Heaven's son was worthy of even more. He deserves everything we hold dear. So we let go of all we value, all we cling to. We lay down anything that would keep us from surrendering our lives to him. Because the truth is, he is the only treasure that really matters.
Thank you all so much. Have you been blessed? I don't know whether you realize it or not, but the gospel's already been sung tonight. Like, that's, that's it. That's the gospel. Choir, Regina, Mary and Joseph, <laughs> sound folks, let's, let's give the Lord praise one more time for all the time that they put in for this. You know, there was something that, that stood out to me, if you have your, your program, that um, second to last song, Welcome to Our World. By the way, Jacob, how old are you, man? Almost 14. Dude, 13 years old, getting up in front of a mic with a songbook. It's safe to say that you've got more guts than most of the men in here, including myself. Dude, that was awesome, man. How cool is that? I mean, most men, Jacob, when we hear it with some music and then see a microphone, we break out in a cold sweat, right? I mean, at least if you've got an instrument, there's something to hide behind. But man, that was an awesome song. And I was thinking about that as I was listening to the words, Welcome to Our World. It's a beautiful song sung to Christ. But let's kind of rewind the tape. What type of welcome did he get? It was not, was not the welcome of the king. And by the time that the wise men came. Jesus was probably around two years old. I mean, think of, think of that night. No room. I mean, if all things would have been done right in that welcome to our world, everybody would have been put out of the inn and Jesus would have had the whole thing. Bring in the best. Bring in the doctors. Find somebody because the king's about to be born. And ladies, think of... Mary carrying that baby, I mean, it was, it was a pregnancy, it was a supernatural pregnancy, but she may have gone, I mean, for all we know, through all the things that ladies go through today with bringing a baby into the world, the morning sickness and being tired and so forth, and he was brought into a world that really didn't care. And the next song, At the Feet of Jesus, there's a line in that song that speaks about us falling on our knees. And I don't know if you've ever met anybody who's, who you would consider famous. Think back in your life, maybe somebody who's well-known. I know Fred Tudor. <laughs> but I remember several years ago, I was able to meet Evander Holyfield. Greatest, probably one of the greatest boxers, and we could debate that of all time. And I was there meeting Evander Holyfield, and I could barely get my voice. And I walked over and I said, sir, sir. And he's just there. I mean, he's still just jacked. I mean, beyond belief. And I said, would you mind if I get a picture with you? You know what he said? Sure, that'd be fine. So I kind of snuggle up next to a Vanderham, kind of doing like this. And my brother pulls out his phone, and he's able to snap a picture of me and a Vander Holyfield. And he was like, that was back before Facebook students, before Instagram, Twitter. I emailed that sucker to everybody I knew. I was like, what's up? I think about that, but then you take that as a fraction of a fraction of a minuscule of a grain of sand compared to the entire known universe. And to be at the feet of Jesus, we are to fall on our knees and to be blown away by who he is. I mean, the creator of everything, but yet he had so much humility and love for people who did not care for him to come down out of heaven, 
To be born into a world, choir, as you guys sing about the incarnation of Christ, and it's because of he has an unfathomable love for people who don't love him in return and a passion for the glory of his Father. And I think that we would all do well that when we are still taking in all this music that was done so well and these words that were so eloquently sung and the truth that's behind them, for me to get with the Lord and say, Lord, where am I with you? Preach your stuff aside, being a member of Rocky Mount Baptist Church aside. But to be able to be at the feet of Jesus should be able to say, you know what, like Joseph, I may not be a talker. By the way, men and ladies, we don't have any of the recorded words of Joseph. Can you believe that, Tyler? None of the recorded words of Joseph, but what you see every time in Scripture is that when God revealed himself to Joseph in a dream, God speaking to him through Mary, you know what Joseph did, guys? Had a titanium, rock-solid obedience. You don't have to know every word in the English language. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to know really much about the Lord other than you're not Him. And that you need Him in your life to be able to make a profound difference for the Lord. And that begins in our heart. It begins with a heart change. That's what Joseph did. I mean, I just looked up here at, you know, Joseph and, and Mary, and I thought, man, Joseph just obeyed the Lord. He led his family. He didn't have to go tell everybody and tell everybody how great he was. He simply obeyed what God had revealed. You know, the first thing that God has revealed to all of us is what Jesus taught, is to repent and believe the gospel. That's the way Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John start out. Repent, which means to turn away from your way of life to where you're at the control, to where you take the word of God and you pick and choose what fits your life and you pick and choose what you want to believe and you give reasons for the parts that make you uncomfortable as to why those don't apply to you. That is not repentance. That is not obedience. That's making Jesus your slave, which he will never be, but what you heard sung here tonight is for us to fall at the feet of Jesus in repentance and to be overcome by his mercy that you and I are alive right now. We don't have time for it because there's food. But if we had time to rewind the VHS tape of our life and think back of a lot of the things that we've done, we should be overcome. Unless you have a bad memory, all of us should be collectively overcome at how gracious God is to let us exist right now. So here's a question. What do you do about it? Regardless of your circumstance in life, ask yourself the question, are there the fruits evident in my life? Is there evidence that I've actually been changed by Christ? The U.S. is filled with people who claim to be Christians, but when you look at the product and the produce of their life, it is the farthest thing from Christ that you can possibly imagine, even though they may still go to church and give money. Question, has there been a genuine change in your heart that's lasted? That's how you know it's for real. If there's no fruit, there's no roots. You can be sprinkled, christened, baptized, christened all the nine yards, but if there's no genuine change, there has been no repentance. Without repentance, there cannot be salvation. Without salvation, you're just as damned to hell as a Hindu, Muslim, atheist, someone who rejects the sufficiency and the deity of Jesus. That's the truth. 
If we could peel back the layers of Christmas, the core of what this choir communicated tonight is the supremacy of Jesus Christ, his deity. Only he can save. I can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. It is Christ and Christ alone. And we should come to the place of saying, Jesus, let's do business. Is there actually a change in my life that I can point to and say, you have done this? Because if he's done it, it is changed doesn't mean you never make a mistake again, but it means you have a radical new direction in your life. Then secondly, if you have been changed by the Lord, say, God, would you give me wisdom to make much of you in this Christmas season? We'd love to be able to talk with you more about that. I know that's kind of a heavy way to end a cantata, but the gospel is offensive. Okay? The gospel is offensive. We shouldn't be offensive. The music was done incredibly. The music should be beautiful as it was tonight. But the core of the gospel is offensive to every single one of us because it says you are insufficient to do what needs doing the most, and that is a heart change. But the gospel is offensive, but on the other side of the coin, it's so liberating. Because when we come to Jesus and we see how we can't do it, how he is the only one that can, tradition and church membership and being good and so forth, cannot affect that change. We see Jesus and all of his mercy that he's got all that power and then some, and he offers us a heart change, salvation as a free gift. Man, what an amazing, amazing God we serve. If you have questions about that, we'd love to be able to talk with you, uh, talk to any of our leaders here, and we've got some food that if you have time, we'd love to be able to break bread with you, and if you've been around Baptist churches at all, you know that usually food is always there, or if it's not, it's about to happen. So what I'll do here is I'll pray for us, and then that'll kind of count for the prayer so you guys can go ahead and usher over to our fellowship hall, enjoy some refreshments with us, and choir once again, thank you for all of the incredible hard work that you put in to glorify Jesus. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, uh, this great time of year that we can get together and enjoy, God, and not just all of the hard work that's been put in to this ministry here tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would fill the choir and everyone who's been involved with this with just an overwhelming sense of joy to be used by you. And God, we thank you for all the friends and family that came out here tonight in support of this. And we pray most of all, Lord, that what has been done here does not point to ourselves, but it points people to you. And for the ones here that are wrestling with you, whether you exist or whether it's time to give control of their life to you. Would you just make yourself beautiful, God? Would you make yourself just that I can't choose anything else but Jesus tonight? And that you would bring conviction of sin, and that you would bring salvation, and you would bring joy. And we thank you for friendship and for the love that we have through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.